Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another show here at Everyday Folks Radio. My name is Billy Jones, and I am the author of Everyday Folks Books and the creator of Everyday Folks Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in and for your continued support over the past five months. With your support, we have reached over 1,300 listeners worldwide, and I can't thank you enough for your continued support. Today is a beautiful day here in Miami, May 15th. I'd like to send a special shout-out to LaShonda West, who was a guest on my show. Her birthday is today. I'd like to say happy birthday to you, LaShonda, and may you have many more and much continued success in your career. As well, for those of you who've been listening, we've been growing here at Everyday Folks Radio, and I'd like to say a special thanks and congratulations to Anike S. If you did not tune in yesterday, yesterday, May 14th at 2 p.m., was the premiere of Journey into Passion with Anike S. And on this show, we, she, uh, Anike celebrates the purpose of passion. What is your passion? And I have the esteemed pleasure of being a guest on her show. So congratulations to her, and I urge all of you to continue to support her show, which will air every two weeks. The next show for Journey into Passion will premiere, will preview, will show on May 28th at 2 p.m. I've been receiving many emails and comments about different things, for instance, about everyday folks, folks wanting to know more about me and what I do in my particular world and how I came to do what I do. So over the next couple of months, I'm going to be hosting a Q&A session, but there will be no guests, no VIPs, just me with you, the listener, answering some of the questions, or reading rather, some of the questions that I've already answered to some of our fans. Today's show, I am so privileged to have two special people who are physically sitting in front of me, and I'd like to read their bio. Here on BJ Speaks, I interview individuals who are everyday extraordinary individuals who are making things happen in their careers and their lives, and I'm so privileged to have these two not only as dear friends, but also as dear colleagues in the education profession. Here's the bio as it is stated on my blog and as well as on my author page. Cynthia has worked as an elementary teacher, Cynthia Chang, folks. Cynthia Chang has worked as an elementary teacher for the past several years. She comes from a strand of successful siblings who were all raised in Kendall, Florida by their two immigrant parents. Justin Johnson is a physical education teacher at a K-8 school here in Miami-Dade County Public Schools. For the past several years, he has remained committed to teaching kids about good health and healthy lifestyle practices. Raised in Coconut Grove, he was an only child who was instilled the values of a good education by a single parent, his mother, who was also a soon-to-be-retired South Florida educator after 35 years. Congratulations, my friend. This year is a special year for Cynthia and Justin. They are getting married this coming November. All in all, they are model teachers, creative educators who are not afraid to think outside of the box in order to help students achieve. And I have to share this as an aside note before I bring them on. When it comes to creativity, innovation, and they're fun. They are so much fun to be with. 
it, it, it truly translates into everything they do. I welcome you both to the show, Cynthia and Justin. How are you today? Good. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I am well. I have to share. There, you know, Cynthia and Justin are loyal supporters of Everyday Folk. So I want to first say thank you because they listened to the very first show that aired back in January. And they also called in and they've been sending in their email comments. So thank you for being listeners. Now turn VIP. <laughs> <laughs> so your journey into your careers, I'm certain, has never been an easy. It's never an easy one, but it's, I'm sure been an enjoyable one and, and, and above all, a learned experience. So my first question to you is this: Why did you go? Why did you decide to go into the field of education? Uh, I went into it because of a teacher. I had a teacher that was amazing, and I said I'm going to be that model teacher because she made it fun and it just spread all all through. Life, mm. and that's what I bring to my students. How about you, Justin? Well, my 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 process was a little bit different. Um, I well, first off, I when I graduated high school, I had the um, idea of going into law school to become mm-hmm. a lawyer. And then, as I got to Miami Dade, I decided let's maybe switch it up. Let's, you know, I, I picked up a small little interest in business. So I started taking the, you know, the basic, you know, business courses my right. day, and then it was one particular class. I want to say it was, I think, macroeconomics, where I was sitting in there, and I was in there physically, but mentally, I just wasn't there. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I started working at a elementary school mm-hmm. and after school care. So I was already getting the feel of working with the, with the kids. So one day, it just hit me that, I can't be in a class physically but not there mentally. So I said, let me just try to switch over to education. And I started taking the same thing like business. I started taking the, the, the small minor courses mm-hmm. in education, mm-hmm. and I started finding my niche. And I said, well, this this, this may actually, you know, work out because I was finding myself more interested. I was engaged and making jokes and things like that versus sending my business courses. I was just like a zombie. And once I started finding my niche, I said, I, I need to run with this. And after I left, you know, Miami-Dade, I furthered up my education at, you know, FIU, and I continued with the education track. And ever since ever since then, I just had a thing for working with children. That is awesome. I'd like to share with you folks, if you'd like to speak to Cynthia or, and or Justin at any time, you may call us, call us at 347-539-5372. Again, the caller number is 347-539-5372. And if you're a little shy and you prefer to inbox us with your email question, comment, or request, email us, please. My inbox is over now at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. That's everydayfolks with an S, listen at gmail.com. So, Justin, you, you just mentioned something interesting that I kind of want to ask Cynthia on, and that is you both seem to have had an inspiration, whether it had been an early connection in the field or a teacher who inspired you. So then I'm going to jump and ask one of the tougher questions. This career is not easy. And there are days, and you know what I mean, <laughs> there are days when you have those days. We won't even qualify more specifically than that. But what has been one of your most memorable moments in your career? I would say seeing the light bulb at the end of the tunnel. An example is last year I received an email from a former student who she said, Melinda, I love you and I promote you. I think you are the model teacher, and I think that was what was, you know, those good days, and there are bad days, and the bad days just turned into a good day. Because the life was that the student still remembers me. 
and still wants to do what I, I expected them. And now the family is expecting that through their child and everywhere around them. I would say that would be the most, most memorable. That is awesome. And you feel sometimes you don't realize that the compensation for that kind of contribution, you really don't see it readily, do you? No. But it comes back. It's more valuable, would you say, than any paycheck you get? Of course, completely. Mm-hmm. You see it when you see your work being credited for it from somebody else on the outside. And, and, and how about um, colleagues, your colleague support? How is that? Does that make it, does that play a role in your success too? Yes, it does, that you see people seeing what you want to do, and they want to do it now. I have colleagues that want to do what I do now and saying, you know, I'm going to be that model teacher too because I see how happy you are. Your bad days will turn into good days to see the light with your students. Mm. Those big hugs, saying, oh, my God, I got it because of you. <laughs> That's Thanks. the best feeling. Awesome, Cynthia. How about you, Jeff? Okay. Well, I have actually, I have actually a funny story. Um, it was this, this school year, I want to say April Fool's. Um, I told, I told well, one of my particular classes was a second-grade class. And I had uh, told them, I actually told them a true story, but at the same time it wasn't because it was a fool. I'd say about maybe a few years ago before I started teaching where I'm at now, I pursued to teach in China. I, I actually was interested. Yeah, Is that I, so? Yeah. Wow. A lot of people don't know. I told a few that I was actually looking to move and teach in China. But the problem I was running into was they wanted, since I told them I was engaged, they wanted me to have my fiance with me, but then I told them, we were on two different tracks, so I just basically that I I ended up just canceling the whole process. Okay. So meanwhile, back to your question, I I told my students with a serious face that I was pursuing the teaching mm-hmm. um, career in China, and that day was my last day, so I wouldn't see them anymore. One of my students, she started crying. I mean, she was crying, tears falling down her face. And she, and I looked, and I said, honey, what's wrong? And she was like, you're leaving us. Why are you leaving? You're my favorite teacher. And she ran up and hugged me. And that was one of those moments that was like, wow, you know, I've been there for a short time, and it seems like I've, whatever I've been doing, I've impacted their lives. And I looked down at her, and I told her, I wiped some of her tears off. I said, don't worry, honey, it was April Fool's. I'm not going anywhere. And the reason why I said that is because, to me, little things like that shows that the students, they felt safe and they really, really enjoyed me, you know, because for a student like that to to just cry and, and basically say, why are you leaving, that, that was one of my aha moments because it's like, you know, I haven't known them for so long, and, and, and to feel so attached, it did something for me, and I said, if I keep this career going, I'll have plenty of moments mm-hmm. like that. So oh. that that that's that that day will always stick with me. It always stick with me. Folks, I have to share both of them, and I'm I'm watching them as they tell this, and the emotion that they're eliciting through their nonverbals is truly authentic. If you have any questions for them, please do call us at any time three four seven five three nine five three seven two. Again, that is three four seven five three nine. 5372 and our inboxes every day, folks. Listen at gmail.com. I have a question here for you both. It's from Mindy, who lives in Port, in Port, Port St. Lucie, Florida. She asks Has your, has your love for one another, uh, excuse me, has your love for one another ever been challenged as a result of your, educa- of your profession? 
And if so, how did you get through it? Hmm. Good question. Hmm. I guess putting education as your life. Justin has the motto that education is not your life. It's what you do. And to me, education is my life when it shouldn't be. It's just that love. So we've thought about that. When is the right time to talk about work? Right. When is it not? When is it the right point to ask for help in the in the field? But when is it right and when is it wrong? That is a very good comment because there has to be a balance, right, Cynthia? Yes, a balance of when is the right time and when is it not a good time. But you, we feed off of each other. Like what I do for a living is completely different from what he, he does. Little as people know, the PE teacher. I'm an elementary teacher. His idea of an elementary teacher is sitting in a classroom with four walls. He's free outside, so I don't see that because I don't mm-hmm. like the heat. So, but I love being in the classroom, being able to go from place to place. Mm-hmm. So we feed off of that. That's a very good point. And what do you say, Justin? Anything you like to add? Yeah, I, I, I kind of. I feel the same way. I, I just I always have the mentality of what you do in life is not who you are. It's what you do. You know, for example, if like my, my barber, he his motto is, you know, barbering is not his you know, his life, it's his career. Mm-hmm. His family is his life. And I always tell my fiance, you know, when you're at work, it's all about work. But when mm-hmm. you're outside of work, it's so much going on outside of out of your four walls or whatever sure. profession you do, there's so much things outside happening that you should always just focus on work. You know, you turn on the news, there's so many things happening and, and things like that. You know, so I always tell people you can't just live, you know, by your work or with work because eventually you're not, you're going to be miserable because all you have to talk about is work. You know, but then there are some times where you, you have to vent. I'm not telling people out there don't vent, but I'm saying there are times where you need to vent and that's fine. But just know, have a cutoff. Mm-hmm. You, you want to give yourself time to have a cutoff and, and just focus on things that you need to focus on. I, I think his, what Cynthia and Justin Mindy also just added reminds me of have, having a healthy uh, life-work balance. Have one. Because at the end of the day, you can't take a, a job or career or any degrees with you when you pass on. And so very often people commit their lives to these things. And, yes, sometimes I, I say this all the time. I used to be a dean. I miss the check but not the stress. And I mean that wholeheartedly because we don't realize there's nothing more valuable than a quality of life with people you love, with people who support you, and also with a quality career that you enjoy going to on a daily basis. At the end of the day, we have to live in ease, so we do have to acknowledge that. Here's another question coming in. It's from Robert from Providence, Rhode Island. Robert writes the following. And I think you can jump in at any time. How much of your career impact your personal life? You kind of just answer that. So uh, let's take the second part. How do you keep balance? You kind of started on the Justin already by saying, and Cynthia said it too, making sure there is the balance. And you gave an illustration of when the time, and, but how do you do it? So when you get home, because at the end of the day, when you when you work together, work spills over into your personal life. And if you have a really lousy day, and if you have to look at each other, you're bound to talk about it, right? Mm-hmm. But how do you keep the limit, what, the boundary? How do you keep the balance from letting it spill over and not dominate your, your personal time? I think, uh, honestly, it, it, it's, it's like the saying goes, deading a situation, meaning you, you have to know when to cut it off before you feel it escalating. It seems a little hard, but with us, we've been together so long, we have that rapport with each other. But like I said, it, it, it's knowing 
when to stop it before it could, you know, like when I get home, I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted because I spend almost an hour, you know, traveling from work to home. So by the time I get home, I de-stress for a little bit, and then I'm off to, to exercise for about an hour, hour and a half. And then after that, it's, it's time for dinner and time for bed. You know, so really after and once I'm home, I really don't have time to think about work or anything. It's like I said, once I'm home, I'm home. You know, my mind shuts off. It's like, okay, you're out of your school, you're home. Mm-hmm. Let's take care of what needs to be taken care of, and, and that's mm-hmm. it. What about you, Cynthia? That was a very good response. I think it's the same thing. It, it has to be a pretty rough day, honestly, for us to really talk about work. It has to be a really bad day, like mm-hmm. peers and, you know, our shoulders are lean on. Like, this is countless friends. I've had to talk to him a lot. He does have mm-hmm. a model. Work stays at work. Home life is home life. And we do keep that model all the way through our day. It has to be a rough day. I've mm-hmm. had to cry on his shoulder and have him tell me, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow's a new day. Yeah, I mean, so we use that. That's mm-hmm. why the only time we don't let it. Yeah. So. You know, like if, mm-hmm. if, if she was to say, you know, yeah, I, I could. You know, if she would say, you know, I've had, you know, this happen to me, I'm not going to just shut off and say, look, I told you we're home. I, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be an open ear. I'm gonna listen and get my feedback, mm. you know. But other than that, we, you know, we keep it very small and minimal. But if there were a day where we both really had to vent, then yeah, we would vent to each other. We've had those moments. Very good but, question. You know, other than that, we just, you know, we, we don't really talk it. about we it. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about it. And I think for our our, our listener who emailed that question, I, I hope you realize too. At the end of the day, you gotta keep a boundary. The boundaries are important, and we appreciate you up in Providence, Rhode Island, and listening to us. Yay. That indicates that we are truly reaching out beyond our lo- our locale. So I have a question. It's kind of a loaded question, but a good one. Okay. What is your definition of success to you? Definition of success? Seeing your hard work pay off. Mm. In the education field, your hard work paying off is seeing your students performing well. For example, I had a student who couldn't read. Honestly, could not read. If I was looking maybe at a pre-K level, and Got that's it. pretty low, by the time I she left me, she was being at a, at a grade level. So yeah. that's a success story, seeing your students performing and your students wanting to do more. I have I high expectations in my classroom and as a teacher to my students, and my students have high expectations of me, so they perform and always want to be the best. They mm. challenge each other as much as they challenge me. So I would say that's my definition. You know. Before I go to Jess, I want to follow up on that. You're not one to throw in the towel. I know your nature, and no. I feel that is so important. So what inspires you, or who inspires you? My mom, honestly. My mom, because she is so determined, she will not stop for anything. She picked a fight, and she taught us that very young. Mm-hmm. And my father taught me to be a fighter. You know what? You fall, pick yourself up, and clean yourself up, get up. Because... We, we come from a family of three of us. We all had to fight for each other right. and have a backbone. We had each other, and we have ourselves. And at the end of the day, you're the only fighter. You, well you need to fight for yourself. Mm. So yeah, I, you're the youngest of the three. I'm the middle. The middle kid. Okay. I'm the youngest girl. Okay. So it's, it is sometimes a double standard in our household. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> We're a little out. <laughs> if you know what I mean. I got you. I got you. <laughs> Thank you for that. And Justin, your definition of success. So what is success to, to, to Teacher J, Mr. Okay. J, uh, or JJ? Not, <laughs> Coach J. Coach J. Yeah. Not necessarily. 
necessarily with education, but just in general for me, success is having a goal and accomplishing that goal. I remember, you know, now back, you know, with related to education, I remember about, I'd say about five years ago, I was with me and, you know, a few, few of my um, classmates were leaving uh, FIU. Mm-hmm. And, um, we were just talking about the future, and, and I remember, you know, it was late, and I mm-hmm. was just telling them, I said, listen, you know, at the end of the day, I said, my goal, just like all of us, it should be look, to get out of here, you know, graduate, hopefully have a teaching uh, job, have a roof over our head, mm-hmm. and having a car and a driveway. That, that, for me, is success, and having a little money in my pocket. I remember I said it just like that because I said, look, you know, we, 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 we went into this, for, you know, not for the money, you know, and it's like whatever job you do, you can't go in there for the money, you know, and, and like I said, not necessarily saying having a house and a, a car is, you know, being successful, but that was just my turn because that's what I set my mind to and that's what I wanted, you know, and, and it's, it should go for anything you want to do in life. You know, you, you have a goal and maintain it, you know, stay focused and, and that goal, you know, if you accomplish that goal, mm-hmm. That's success because you set something. You said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get it. And then you got it. And I also want to share, Justin, as well, someone who's very focused. When he buckles down and says he's going to do something, it's done. That's one thing I can say about both of them. When they focus, when they laser focus, and they will go through their obstacles, but they don't complain. They see it through. So, Justin, who inspires you? Who or what inspires you? I'm I'm same way as uh, Cindy, my mom. You know, she, you know, like I said, I grew up in a single-family home. Even though I was primarily raised by her and my late grandmother who passed in 2013, but I still consider myself being raised by a single parent because my dad, you know, wasn't in the picture. And, you know, I remember my mom, you know, she sacrificed a lot, you know, for me. And, you know, when she when she was teaching, my grandma, you know, was raising me and picking me up to and from preschool. And then when I got of age, you know, I traveled a lot with my mom and, you know, the things she, she did for me, and especially back when I was younger when teachers weren't even making, like, you, yeah. the, the salaries they were making then, you look yeah. at it now, there's no way. Yeah. But she still fought through it and everything. And, and like I said, the hard work and the sacrifice she, she's put on throughout these years, you know, that's why I consider her, like, really my true hero. Yeah. And I think, honestly, somewhere in the back of my mind, she's also the reason why I went into education. It seems like a double standard. She's a teacher. I'm a teacher. But... With her, it's different. You know, I, I said if she can do it, I, I, you know, our Johnson blood runs pretty strong. So I, I definitely put her down as my number one, you know, inspiration. Uh, folks, I'm, I'm talking to Cynthia and Justin, educators from South Florida, and I just want to read one of the lines. Cynthia made a line here. I'm, my, my list is Cynthiaism and Justinism. <laughs> so she makes a statement, which is, seeing your hard work pay off, that's success. And I, I, I have to say that is so true because people want to take the escalator to the top. They don't want to take the stairs, which is the average way to get there, or the, 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 the most, the, the most um, practical, although the most convenient is the stairs or the escalator. And I think you understand metaphorically, figuratively how I'm speaking. You can't, great educators are not, are not made overnight. You've got to cultivate it. Each of us brings something very special to our industry. And whoever we are in our personal selves, we bring that to the classroom. Somehow there's, there seems to be this, this stigma that when you enter the educational realm of teaching, you know, your classroom, your realm, your environment, 
you kind of have to surrender some of the things in your beliefs, would you say? So going on any political views, any religious context, it seems to be suppressed, would you say? And it's very interesting because we're yet inspiring our students to be who they are and to express themselves fully and to have an identity. Do you find yourself in those circumstances sometimes mm-hmm. when it seems to have conversations or viewpoints that may differ from your own or you may agree readily with theirs? How do you, in, how do you interject your feeling with, without being too biased? I would say the funny thing is that's going on in my classroom right now. Surprising, I teach to a small little group of first and second graders, the little babies, as I call them. They're talking about the political, the political debate right now. Really? They're talking about it, and they're little, and they understand, and they have an opinion. And it's trying to get them to understand everybody has an opinion. Mm. And they're like, yeah, but he's just not nice. They often say, you know, he's not nice. You know, he's stupid which is a word I don't use in my classroom. They're not allowed to use that word. Mm. And it's getting to understand it. So it turns into a discussion. So you just turn that into a learning experience. And understanding people have an opinion. You're allowed to have it, but you don't have to agree. Mm. And teaching them young that. And they're in, this is grade, these are first grade, meaning grade eight to five and six. They're between six to eight. My classroom runs from six to eight. My youngest student is six. My oldest student is eight. And they're already forming opinions about the political atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And That's teaching crazy. their parents on how it works. Interesting. They come with a borrowed belief system, would you say? We all have a borrowed belief system. However, we were raised, mm-hmm. even though as we become adults, we begin to form our own opinion about the world. And the more educated you are, the more likely you are to do that. Mm-hmm. But these kids are coming with a borrowed belief system. And it's very interesting because that's probably shedding light in your mind over the lives of the world that they live outside of your classroom. Yeah. Very interesting. It shows you, you start to see their personality and see where they're going to go in the future. A little, so you realize, you start to see how your students are going to be in the future. I can predict what's going to happen to my students mm, in the future. That's powerful. Yeah. That is powerful. My, my first group of students I ever worked with is about to enter high school. I'm writing that down, Cynthia. <laughs> <laughs> I would. Go on, please. Take a visit in my class, and you'll see it's a very high energetic and a very discussion-based in my classroom. They have, they have conversations. And it's not typical conversations, I'll tell you that much. Not about the latest Disney movie out. It's mm-hmm. usually something going on on TV. Mm-hmm. Or them asking, why is that on TV? What does that mean? Like, for example, they were just talking about slavery and how come nobody stood up for them. And getting to understand we lived in a very different time. Mm. That is so powerful. This is, and there's such real-world context there. Do you yeah. find this going on in your yes, world? I remember, I was just, I was just laughing. Great, I, remember, yeah. I, I, I can't remember one day, I don't know if I was just looking in the sky or something, sure, we were talking about, and I remember one of my students was like, yeah, Jesus lives up in the sky. And I was like, <laughs> I, 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 to my beliefs, you know, I, I told him, I said, yes, you're right, Jesus lives in the sky. You know, and sometimes when I'm talking to my students, you know, when I'm talking about the future, I always find myself saying, for example, I'll say, oh, okay, you know what, tomorrow, Lord willing. I always just have it, you know, me doing that. But when I heard my students say about Jesus lives in the sky, and I thought, I'm saying, okay, that child has a religious uh, household. And, and and then another student chimed in and said, yeah, he does. Jesus does live in the sky, this and that, in heaven, and you can't do bad. If not, you won't see him. And it was just like, you know, it was amazing, you know, because you, you don't expect, 
a lot of that like grown from, know from, from students to know that. And, and they don't see the bad. They don't see the bad. They always see the good. Yeah, they always think positive. It's, it's, it's a good thing. It's really a good thing because, you know, spending time with them, you learn so much, you know, and it's just like they can learn so much from you. So it's, it's, it's a very good, positive thing. And the question I have to ask to the world here, those of you who are listening, what happened to the rest of us? Because if they're seeing the good, it goes to show that hate and anger and all these other issues can be taught. They're taught. And these things are taught, they're impacted through the environment, they absorb it through their environments, whether it be at home, et cetera. And it's interesting you point out the fact that they try to see the good because they don't like the bullying. In fact, our generations were the first generations that started the anti-bullying campaign. But the millennials have really, really um, heightened the awareness of it at a whole new level. Because thanks to technology, they've exposed and been overexposed to it. And so they're saying no. And so they're probably seeing some of these things in that light, too. And so it's very interesting to see what, they, to, to, to see what these kids say today. We have two other questions that are coming in. One is from Chris from, Texas, from Houston, Texas. He, he writes, and this probably started with Justin, actually. I'm a physical education teacher in Houston, Texas. Justin, is it hard to incorporate technology into your classes? Considering you're, you're, you are constantly outdoors, I find it hard to do at times. Well, with me, um, it could be hard because depending what resources you have, what's available to you. I remember the first, I'd say the first few weeks I had, we, you know, me and the other um, PE teacher, we had a the gym. We had a gym. And it, it also had, you know, a computer, uh, Promethean board, the whole nine. Mm-hmm. So... You know, it unfortunately got taken away from us because we had to share it with the uh, with an art teacher. So those first few weeks was good because I would. There's a program uh, we use called. Um, say, what's the name of the program? Go Noodle. Which Go is the Noodle. Best thing invented. There's a website. It's GoNoodle.com. Okay. And, and this website here, you know, I use. You know, it's very interactive, extremely. You know, I have my page designed specifically for phys ed. So there's certain pages like YouTube page, and there's a fitness page where there's um, a certain there's a certain uh, amount of videos mm-hmm. where you can actually do like 15, 20, maybe 10 minutes of different exercises with the kids in the classroom. And on top of that, if I ever wanted to do like a PowerPoint presentation, I could you know I could utilize it. So it it, it honestly it honestly depends, like I said, on your situation. But having technology, it's a good thing. Because let's say you have rainy days where, you know, you can't take, you, them, out. You can't take them out. And, and you can only do so many different games in the classroom. Right. So right. it's good to mix it up and utilize technology. Because if you're in a classroom with your students for about an hour, trust me, you want to do as much as you can with them in that hour. Because if not, you're going to lose them. Because yeah. they're inside. They've already been inside probably for X amount of hours. And, and they know okay, you know, we should be outside now, so they're going to get a little antsy. So it, it's, it's good to mix it up. But definitely, if you want a website, I recommend GoNoodle.com. That is great, and I'll post that website on my my author page as well. Thank you so much for that, Justin. Cynthia, you're welcome to chime in if you had anything else you want to add to that. No. So jumping on that GoNoodle, I use it in my classroom. So he told me about it, and mm-hmm. it's the best thing invented, like I said. The kids are able to interact, and it's the latest video, too. My students use it all the time, and they ask for it. My students ask for it. So they get a time right before they go to recess. They get to play on it, and they do different action, and they challenge them. Like, you can even do yoga. I use yoga as a way to relax my students and to calm my, 
or breakdown, as they call it, to them, so they can relax. So, folks, I'm, I just I just went to the computer because as Cynthia was speaking, I went and, and, and Google Go Noodle, and I'm sitting here looking at this really cool website, and it has a watch the video screen. Now, of course, I am not an affiliate of Go Noodle, you know, and do not know of the, the repository. But I will say to our listeners, there's so many tools that are out there. You think it, it exists, and so as an educator. You can't be an educator in the 21st century without having some touch or, or being abreast of some technology of some sort. And I'm talking more than just a static web page. Go onto a web page to retrieve information. You, this is highly interactive. You've got to use it to your advantage. Right. You've got to use it to your advantage. First thing you take it to your Take it so you can use it for a good use. I have technology all over my classroom, and my kids love it. So what are some of the things you do, Fancy, if you could share a little bit about those? We, we use Go Noodle as a way for them mm-hmm. to play, and if I need break time, like if they're way too excited, I go, we're going to put Go Noodle so you guys can relax. <laughs> put yoga, and it calms them down. I do that during before I test sometimes to help them calm down and relax. I do really? Have, I do have anxiety. <laughs> that happens in my classroom. We play games. But there's different websites where you can play games. Uh, my content area, my science and social study is based off of Brain Pop, which is interactive. They get to watch a robot talking to a little girl talking about friends, whatever the latest topic is, and then they play a quiz with them. So did your educational training expose you to any of this stuff? No. Um, I'm going to say no because I feel, you know, not trying to knock, you know, the, uh, you know, different colleges, you know, training, but I just feel like when when we were in college, it was more of the technical things, you know, yeah. what not to do, what to do. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we were mostly, like, thrown in the fire. What I mean is basically – Learning as you go, unfortunately. You know, I always said when you, when you, whatever, whatever mostly you study in college, it should really pertain to real life. You know, for example, you know, um, like I have a neighbor that's right now, he's currently in the uh, fire, you know, um, academy mm-hmm. in Miami. Mm-hmm. And they do real life situations because he told me one of his colleagues, like, passed out during a, a, a session. Things like that is real because, like I like I told him, I said, let's say you 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 and him get thrown into a house that's burning, burning. You got three kids in there. Mm-hmm. You need to be able to go in there and get them out and get yourselves out. But if you're not trained, what you gonna do? Mm-hmm. It's just like teaching. I feel like you know if if if, if you never ever written a lesson plan and you get into the classroom and, and you need to write a lesson plan for a week, you never do it. How are you going to know? How are you, you going to know? Mm-hmm. Now the person mm-hmm. is thinking, okay, I've never done this, so what you're going to probably have to do, you're going to have to go to a coworker and say, hey, listen, let me see how you've done this so I can so I can do it. You know, so that's, that's my only thing. You know, like certain jobs, they need to have more real, real-world real, real mm-hmm. situations because really once you get into that working field, they're going to expect you to know what to do because they say, well, you had to train you went to school. Mm-hmm. But that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Cynthia, how about you? That's what, I would agree because you, you have to know what you're doing. I was lucky to have teachers in my college career that told me, use technology, you're, you're advantage. I had an internship that was, I was from the baby boom, so she didn't know any technology, but she's like, you know what, you're young. You tell me how this works, and I'm going to use it. And they feed off of it. And with the way we, the kids we teach now, you have to, because that's what they live off of, technology. Like Justin said, you don't see a kid outside playing anymore. There's no kids outside playing outside. They want to be inside playing on a computer. That is true. Now take it to your advantage. Take that game that they play and make it into a living tool. Hmm. Well said. I, I just add to that. 
Real World Connection, in my, in my PhD program, and this was back in 1999, I took a course. It was called Writing Grants, Writing, Te- Writing Grants for Technology, um, Writing Technology Grants for Schools, Colleges, and, and Post-Secondary. And we were writing grants, but we really weren't looking at technology. We weren't looking at the way in which, the way in which we're talking about this engagement as it applies today. I must acknowledge also they, they wasn't as sophisticated as it is today. But I feel that the real-world context is important. I'll add one more thing. Out of, in my career, I've been in my game for all, this fall will start year 21. Not, there's one thing that my career I feel all of my degrees failed me in, standing and being prepared to deal with the notion of death of a student. My belief system prepared me how to deal with that, but not my educational experience, because I've had 12 students die on me in my career. And so when those things happen, you have to revert back to who you are. Your own belief system helps. It helps. And, and so there are those little moments sometimes during your career. Every day is a new day to learn because teaching is learning as well. It reinforces your knowledge base. The real-world context, you need to be more connected to it. We have a couple of questions that are coming in. And here's a question for, and I'll start with Cynthia on this one. It's from Cecilia here in Miami, Florida. Thank you for listening, Cecilia. What in your educational training helped you the most to become a teacher? Hmm. My education training. Mm-hmm. Every day is a new obstacle. Mm-hmm. Every day is a new obstacle. You don't. You can't prepare yourself. I am a, my personality goes into my class. I'm very structured mm-hmm. on schedule, mm-hmm. on time list. You become an educator. That it does not happen. Things can change. Things can happen, and everything goes out the door. We're always having a plan and a backup plan. Mm. That's the one thing I learned from my training. Always be prepared for a rainy day. A plan and a backup plan, right? What about you, Jeff? I'm, I'm going to honestly feed off the same thing Cynthia said. Being a, being ready, you know, like you, like she said, you know, being able to adapt in a, in a specific situation. Like I mentioned earlier, for example, you know, at the time it was – three of us as physical educators, and we had three different locations. So you take away one location, but you have three teachers. Now you have to be able to be like, you can't panic. You got to say, okay, this is what we're going to do. You'll be here, so-and-so will be there, and we, may, and we make it work. You know, so honestly, I think the training really helped because it, it prepares you, like I said, for having good days and bad days. So, honestly, I just have to say, you know, you just have to, honestly, you just have to be ready for the unexpected. Mm-hmm. Honestly, mm-hmm. be ready for the unexpected because it will come, unfortunately, and when it does, you have to be ready. That's a very good way to segue to this very um, interesting question that I have here. Cynthia and Justin both come from two different cultural backgrounds. And how has that, your identity and the notion of having different cultural beliefs, how has that impacted your lives? Like, have you learned from each other? Has it impacted your career? Well, what are some of the fascinating? Because we live in a world where interracial couples, it's the norm, folks. It's the historic norm. I, myself, am also a member of an interracial couple. But I will share that people sometimes don't realize that at the end of the day, kids don't see this this color thing. They really don't see it. So I'd love to hear your feedback on that as it relates to your profile. I'll say I'm going to have to answer this first because this is, <laughs> this is honestly one topic I love. Okay. I grew up in Coconut Grove. Shout out to the, Co- the Coconut Grove. Um, 
I grew up in the, in the area, but I didn't. What do I mean? Okay, there are several different schools in the area. I did not attend them, you know, because since my mom, you know, taught further south, she carried me with her. The only school I attended in my neighborhood was a preschool, okay? So after the preschool, she, you know, carried me along with her in all the different areas for her school, elementary, mm-hmm. middle, and high school in the area. Mm-hmm. And my friends were all different backgrounds. So that was my exposure right there. I want to say I think my first girlfriend in middle school was white, Caucasian, or Hispanic. I can't remember. It was a long time ago. But either way, either way, I'm being honest, 100% honest. <laughs> okay. I love it. My, You know, my first girlfriend was not African-American, okay? And after that, it's been the same thing. Now, some women have gotten a little upset, but I said, you have to understand, look at my situation. If you're thrown in a specific situation, that's what you're going to adapt to, okay? It's like, take, for example, not going off topic, the Jungle Book. Mowgli grew up in the jungle, so he's going to act like he adapted to the animals. That's why they loved him so much because he... Yeah, he was a man cub because he, he he was like part man, he was part you know animal in a way. But that's how it was with me. So I've always dated outside of my race, and I embrace it now because it's something that I it's like worldwide. You know, you don't see a specific race with another anymore. I, I just have to be honest; those days are pretty much over. But you still have people that live with their mentalities that race needs to be with race. But you know what? That's not the case. And I look at it from a standpoint, the world would be so boring and dull if you see the same thing every day. You know, you have to change it up. That's what makes this world unique. You see different race here, different mm-hmm. race there. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a beautiful thing. And when we do have children in the future, I'm going to raise them the same way I was raised. You should not see color. You know, we all bleed. At the end of the day, we all bleed red. Nobody bleed. Listen, somebody may bleed dark red. Somebody may bleed may believe bright red. But you know what? Red is red. <laughs> I'm being honest. 100% today. Red is red. You know, and that's just what I'm going to live by until the day I die. Mm. Well said. How about your experience with you? I was raised that everyone is everyone's different, but you have to embrace it. You know, like you said, we're an interracial couple. It was rough at the beginning. It was rough. I'll tell you that much. Come from a very strong Asian family that believes race. Six were race. Family is family. Your children are going to be influenced by it and everything like that. But it's, I have a very strong group of – my parents are strong enough that, you know, my child's in love. My child's happy. Mm. That's all that matters. You know, my sister broke the mold. No, not even my sister. My cousin <laughs> broke the mold first. My cousin broke the mold, the, the mold and made sure everyone knew it. And then my sister broke it. My brother broke it. By the time I broke it, it was just another day. It was another day. But I would say the hardest thing was to get my family on board, my immediate family to get on board. You know, we don't live in the 1800s. We don't live in China that, you know, you guys believe this. And this. we live in a modern society now. Mm. This is the new thing. And getting them to understand that, oh, this is temporary. Right. This is going to phase out. You're going to find that Asian boy that I want. I tried it. It didn't work out at all. It's true. It was rough. I was like, it's rough, but you have to be strong enough and believe in yourself and believe together that you can pull through it. We had our moments, and it was rough. Hmm. And that we we did have to lean on my parents to get them to say, you know what, my kids are happy, and he's great. You need to see it. And now my family embraces Joseph 
Oh, that's so awesome. Ten years, ten years later. Ten years <laughs> later, right? <laughs> Work it's, in progress. <laughs> it took some time, but they embrace and they love Justin. They and vice versa, right? Yes, yes. I, I mean, like I said, my family, how can I say, they they didn't really, not trying to sound me, they didn't really care, like, from that aspect, oh, you know, she's yeah. Asian, okay. They didn't really care. They just say as long as you're happy and, you know, she treats you right, we're all for it, okay. You know, so like I said, there was really no... It's a cultural no, thing. No, it's, a cultural it's a cultural thing. thing. And they yeah. knew, like I said, they knew how I was raised. <laughs> I, I wasn't raised, like I said, you know, I had my few African American friends, but most of my, I'd say 90-plus percent of my friends were different nationalities because of where I went to school. So, you know, like I said, I never had no issues, you know, really. For those of you who are listening now, you're listening live to Cynthia Chang and Justin Johnson here on Everyday Folks Radio with me, Billy Jones on DJ Speaks. If you'd like to speak to them or me, call the number 347-539-5372. Again, that is 347-539-5372. Or you may continue to email me your comments. I have several questions for you still uh, coming in. Um, you may email me at everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. That's everydayfolkslisten at gmail.com. Cindy, this question is for you. It's from Cindy from Tampa. <laughs> you're, you're a doppelganger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Cynthia, I, too, am Asian American and grew up in a traditional Asian American family. How has this helped you or challenged you? I think it, it's taught me to grow. Okay. And to get my family to understand, it's hard. If you ever meet a traditional Asian family, it is by the book. Mm. Everything's by the book. And it was, for example, it was hard for Justin to understand. We follow the book. You can't break that book. Everything is Asian sticks it together, and there's no breaking it. But to kind of stay strong, if you really commit it and say, you know what, I'm really in love. Let me be who I am. Mm. you got to be strong, and you can break it. And getting them to understand that we live in a very different society now. I love it. I love it. There's another question coming in from Priscilla here in Miami, Florida. She says, you two make a beautiful couple. Thank you for celebrating diversity as it should be in America. Thank you, Priscilla. Ever thought about writing a book about your experiences? Funny thing to say, Justin <laughs> jokes about it. Justin yeah. jokes about it that one day he's going to write a book and tell all book about our relationship. This will be 100% the truth because I feel like, you know, you, you need, you know, there's people out there that probably relate to us or somebody else mm-hmm. and they don't know where to start. So it's like, you know, I, 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 I've joked about it. I've really joked about it. You know, not not not. Oh, no, I think you succeeded into it. Yeah, I just fed into yeah, it. Yeah, I'm probably putting. <laughs> I, I don't want to say like uh, dark secret. No, 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 because then I have to get a national deal stuff like that. <laughs> just, you know, just just little things, you know, because it's probably stuff that I've been through, people have been through, and all that stuff. So, yeah, my my work, you know. You just fed into his idea. <laughs> You're just gonna feed his ego now. <laughs> Perhaps do we hear the launch of an everyday folk show? Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> so, you know, we're down to the last 13 minutes of the show. And I'd like to ask this next question. So let's project out okay. your future. What are your future goals? And it could be professionally and or personally. Personally, getting married. You know, we're very excited for that. We're six months away. Getting married, starting a family. We do have a time span of when we want to start a family where we're going to do it, how we're going to raise our family, and education, professionally, 
is being a better teacher. Hmm. You can never be perfect. I would say that. But my big goal right now is to get our marriage and getting it on the right foot. I think we're on our way there since we've been together for so long. Since Jessica, we've been together for 10 years. It took seven years for him to give me a ring. <laughs> so patience works. Patience works. No pressure, Patience works. So for those people who say a ring is everything, if you really love, you'll wait. And believe me, you know, with with with, I'm probably, I'm pretty sure now people have their eyes raised, like I would have left him and things that. But listen, I I I have a valid reason why I waited so long. You know, like I said, life, you know, different life obstacles and things like that. You know, that's why it took so long. But in terms for me, you know, for the future, eventually I may want to, keyword may want to go back to school to further my education, and then also foreseeing maybe in the next future I wouldn't mind having like a um, after-school sports program, mm. but I would want to do it different. I would want mine like in a warehouse setting, you know, have different things stationed up for children, you know, because like like Cynthia mentioned earlier, it's a lot of you know kids that just go home after school. And, and, and sit on the couch and play games. And I remember vaguely when I was when I was a, a, a kid, you know, I stayed outside till the sun was down. I didn't just – I mean, I'm not saying I didn't have video games, which I did, but my main thing was being outside, ripping and running around, having good, clean fun. And, and like I said, you know, mom was at home, and I knew when that sun was down, my butt needed to be coming back home. If not, we had problems. <laughs> parents, but parents don't have to worry as much sometimes because their kids are right there glued to the TV. But, you know, like I said, I want the program to be where, you know, if, if some kids, unfortunately, don't have that structure at home, right. from, you know, circumstances. So my program will probably be for kids, you know, when they want to have something to do for 30 minutes or an hour, they can come, you know, do different obstacles, learn different sport techniques and things like that. But that's just me visualizing in the next future, mm. the next several years. So anything is possible. So. Thank you both. Here's another question coming in from Brett from Orlando, Florida. He writes, do you recommend that others go into education considering how difficult things are for teachers? And what's your attitude on your career? I would say yes. It's a rewarding career. In reality, you have to go in with an open mind. Mm-hmm. And you have to come in with, you know what, it's not just a job. It is is your personality and an influence. If you want to have an influence on these students and what the future has mm-hmm, and what your mm-hmm. future children are going to look like, this is the career and you can't go in here for money. You will never get paid how much you deserve. Mm. You have to have a love. We need to frame that. You have to love it and love to learn and love to learn what this is, our society is, the new generation. You mm. learn a lot from your students. I learned a lot from my students. I mean, yeah, going into it, you have to know that it's not promising, meaning, you know, you're not, once you, you know, have all your necessarily necessary requirements to start getting into the classroom, mm-hmm. knowing that you're not necessarily guaranteed mm-hmm. something right away, you know, because just all over Florida, you know, the education system, you know, is a little, it's a little shaky right now because there are shortages, there are needs, but it's just a matter of budgeting and, figure out where you need someone. But I, I would say if it's something that you really want to do, I would say, yeah, definitely, you know, mm-hmm. go into it. You know, it, it doesn't hurt. But I could also recommend if something happens, have a, have a fallback plan. Have a you know, have, have a backup. 
you know, you always have to have a backup because really you never know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You never know. Thank you. Tina from ATL from Atlanta, Georgia. Thank you for listening. ATL, she writes the following. What was it like growing up in Miami? Both of you coming from minority groups that are underrepresented in Miami. Repeat again? Sure. What was it like growing up in Miami? With both of you coming from minority groups that are underrepresented in Miami. Because Miami is a Latin American culture. So what was it like growing up in a culture where it was the majority was a minority but not your minority? <laughs> Adapted. Uh, <laughs> big time. That's just my, I, I think also you got work with my my college professors always told us to adapt. Um, honestly, really, seriously, just adapting. You know, being being able to be open to learning different, you know, cultures and, and, and things like that, which was hard because, you know, like I said, uh, my schools weren't a lot of African-Americans. You know, I had, you know, I say predominantly Hispanic, you know, classmates and learning, like, their different foods, their sayings. You know, it, it, was, it was, to me, it was a real positive learning experience. Mm-hmm. You know, certain things stuck with me now. You know, I, I, I drink, you know, I, I take my shots of Cuban coffee when I'm running low on sleep <laughs> and, you know, little coditos, however you say it. That's your PG liquor for the day. It's a little PG liquor. You know, it's been real, you know, it's been real fun and educational. <laughs> How about you, Sylvia? I think adapting and understanding, you know, there's going to be different people. And embrace it. Use it to your advantage. Use it so that you can grow. Mm. Say that. I, you know, I, I think, you know, for me, growing up here in Miami, because we're all natives, the natives know all the other natives. People don't realize that, but we do. They think that we're like some rare breed of people. But we do exist. And as much as we get tired of our city, if I get tired, I do get tired of it. But I always think, what else can I be where there's such diversity and I can walk out the door and not be be afraid of being shot at yes. or being ostracized because of who I am and what I represent in my own world and how I contribute to that world. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes we take all that for granted. And so just when you look at it being so sour, it does taste pretty sweet. Yeah. And so, folks, you, you're listening live to me, Billy Jones, um, Everyday Folks host, and I'm with Cynthia Chang and Justin Johnson, who are two extraordinary educators. I tell you this, if education looks like these two, the future is great. And I want to say, first of all, thank you to you both. It has been thank a you. wonder having you on the show. How do you feel? How did you feel about your first interview? Good. It's good. You know, you didn't realize, like, it goes by very, very It does. It does. And the goal here is to focus on, and I'm sharing this for you and for the listeners, the goal is to focus on extraordinary, I call them everyday extraordinary people who are making things happen. You are those individuals. I write about people like you. People don't get our, we don't get our stories on the covers of magazines all the time or in the newspapers. And if we do, or in, the, or in the media, and if we do, they're usually sour. So it's very nice to have these moments. We can focus on the good of our society. And where else can we start but in the, with our teachers? I also want to add the following. There is, and here is my personal mantra, I should say, when it comes to education. There's been this assault on what we do in K-12 and post-secondary the defunding of programs, and the standardization of those. And what is happening, you see the impact. We don't even need to cite examples. But what I want to remind people about is that parents, teachers, concerned citizens around America, you need to be engaged in these conversations. Support your teachers and support your schools, because if you have good schools, you have better communities. There's less crime. 
there's a lot more contribution to good things in society and not the sour things. And so I want to remind people about the value of that. And I also want to say this is not the last time you're going to be on the show. So if there's anything else that I'd love to do, and that is to bring you back a few months from now, if not a year's time, we get to come back and we're going to have a spotlight on you to see where you're at. So this year, as you all have read on the bio of the show, they're going to be getting married in November. They just got a home together. I mean, next, we don't know what's next. <laughs> but all we can see is that I can say that I can truly say I've seen progression and beautiful growth in these two beautiful people. And if you would like to stay in touch with them or me, log in on billypauljones.com. And on that page, I have a website, a page that's called Who I'm Supporting. And if you have any link, it is to your social media. I know you both have an Instagram together. I'd love to put a link to that. With, with, with a representative icon of yours there, so that folks want to stay in touch with you and see who you are, they're welcome to do so. And also to those of you who are listening, I want to say thank you. This has been one of my most favorite interviews. And obviously, number number one because they're one of my these are two of my most favorite people, but also because they they live it and they get it, whatever it is. I always say that because they get it. You know where the antecedent of what it is. I know what it is, but it's here, and I'm very proud of you both. Coming up in the next few weeks, a couple of things are happening here at Everyday Folks. We are growing and expanding, and we need you, the listeners, to continue listening and supporting our show. So we will be continuing to bring new programming. Tune in on April 28th at 2 p.m. for A Journey into Passion with Anika S. Please support her show because what Anika is doing on her show is providing an open awareness of what it is to be passionate about who you are and where you're at, and you need help supporting that passion. She's the woman you should be speaking to. So do support that show at Eastern Standard Time. As well, coming up on June 3rd is another new show that is launched, being launched here on Everyday Folks Radio. It is titled A Daily Dose of K-Pop. And the show is a tribute to all the news and the gossip that is taking place in, in Korean pop music. Yesterday I had the pleasure of watching the Eurovision World um, Music Fair, the festival, when all the European countries come together and they send their best singers to, and they all sing in English, by the way. The whole show is in English for four hours, four to six hours. All the countries of Europe are competing against for that world crown. And yesterday, Ukraine won the crown. And so it was, it was a wonderful show. And I see things like this as a, a constant reminder that we in America, we have infected the world with our music culture, with our culture in general. But now the world is infecting us, and I think it's beautiful. So K-pop on June 3rd, do tune in and look out for some of the promos that are coming up. I have a beautiful team of young ladies who are going to be hosting that show. And then later this summer, there will be a couple more, but we won't release those for yet. We're going to wait to see how, that, how they unfold. But I do want to share the following. Whatever we decide to do here, the foundation of what Everyday Folks is will remain true to that. And that is giving extraordinary everyday people a chance to have their voices heard, to have the creative platform showcased, and for above all, for us to have fun. America is a melting pot, a land of opportunity, and a land of second chances. And I say that here is a chance, and what we do at Everyday Folks, I'm so grateful that I was given the chance, and now I'm creating the chance for other individuals to showcase their talents and their interests as well. Tune in to my show next week. We will be back at 3 p.m. For our next schedule, at the same time and same place, we'll be interviewing some other phenomenal folks. I don't like to tell you who, you, who they are because at the end of the day, I think the surprise is worth it. This is Billy Jones. 
I thank you so much for listening to the show. Do tune in for all of our other programming and have a fantastic Sunday. Thank you.